there on this 7-Eleven day. Yep, that's right. Go ahead and get your Slurpee after you get done with this right here. This being our Sunday meditation, which will begin in just a few moments. Well, good morning to you. Good afternoon. Good evening. You know, the crazy and very exciting thing about how we participate in this here piece of business is it doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what time you are or what time it is. I guess what time you are, um, it doesn't sound right, but it makes sense what I'm trying to say. When I explain it to you, I'm sure you will uh, reciprocate in the feeling. You might find yourself in Japan or in London. London's like five hours ahead of us right now, five hours ahead of where I am. Los Angeles is three hours behind, Texas one. You get the whole time zone thing. It's hard for us to connect because of saying. And yet here you are. You have clicked on this piece of business and you're sitting at your tables or in the gym. You're using this as a thing to motivate you while you work out. You're doing something, if not just sitting with your family and friends around that kitchen table, as I said, Bibles open or Bible app open, ready to go. And while you're sitting there, I ask that since you are ready to go, we kick it off with something a little bit different around these parts. If you're new around here, thank you. And on behalf of the platform, what you've chosen to listen, thank you. We'll get to that down the road. But right now, can you take a moment and just sit there? Sit there with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And take a moment to process the last seven days of your life. Process the hurts, process the pains. Get it out. Let it out. You may have had some trouble at the job and you've been holding it. That's the reason why you look over to that liquor cabinet and all that jack is gone. Because you've been frustrated. You poured your sorrows into that bottle. Would you pour it into your creator? Would you cast all of your cares upon him? I'm not saying the jack is bad. I mean, well, I am. It's disgusting, but no offense to Jack. It's just not my thing. But there is something that can serve as a better medicator than the Jack. Hmm, as far as I'm concerned, maybe you and Jesus can sit down and share some Jack together. Hmm, that sounds like a good thing. Would you do that? You know what? While you're doing that, let me... Let's go ahead and uh, get Pastor in here. You know, Pastor, he prays every Sunday morning. And maybe he can um, help motivate your prayer, help encourage your prayer, if you will. Speak some things that, uh, you know, you may have a struggle getting out. 
Tell, yeah, let's go ahead and, and just handle it. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Hallelujah. I will bless the Lord at all times that his praises shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with thee. Let us exalt his name together. Oh, yes. Yes. Father, we honor you this morning. We glorify you. We give your name the glory and honor because you are our God. It is in you that we put our trust. And we come this morning, as we come to this time of corporate prayer, there are many individuals, Lord God, that are here that are praying with us today. They have needs of their own and they have concerns of their own. And one thing about you, God, you are not a confused God. You can hear all of our hearts at the same time. You know our voices distinguishedly, and uh, you can hear us. And, and Father, as we come this morning, we ask you for forgiveness of sins. If there's anything in our lives that is not pleasing in your sight, we ask you for forgiveness. Cleanse us, Lord, as we come to you as your people. As the sheep of your pastors, Father, we honor you, Lord God, for honoring us with your life. The life that we have now is because of you. We don't walk for you. We walk with you. And you walk with us. You talk with us. And you continuously let us know that we are your own. And we honor you for that, Lord God. Your word said that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And God, we thank you for never leaving us and never leaving us beside the wall or beside the road to be overtaken by the enemy. Even in our times of hurt and shame and uh, a whole list of other things, God, wounded. Father, you never left us alone. You shielded us and protected us and even in the midst of that. And we thank you. You're a great God, and you're greatly to be praised, and we honor you, Lord God, with the fruits of our lips, with the ability that you have given us to our bodies, the ability to see, hear, smell, taste, and touch, and to think, and to have reasonable thoughts, to make choices, God. We choose to worship you. We choose to glorify you. We choose, Lord God, to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. We choose, Lord God, to be a part of your family. And, Father, as choosing you to be a part of your family, we lift up our families before you. And, God, we said, here they are. Yeah. You know the conditions. You know their mind. You know where they are. Oh, yeah. Lord God, some are here, some are there, some we don't even know where they are. But, Father, we place them in your hand. Yeah. And, Father, as we uh, are living in this day and this time and this season, we pray, Lord God, that you will protect them and keep them back from all hurt, harm, and danger. We pray, Lord God, that you will keep them in this your safety of your arms. We pray, Lord God, with an outstretched hand, Lord God, that you will shield and protect them. Shield them and protect them when they don't even want it, Lord God, and when they feel that they don't need it or deserve it. God, we know that you are merciful, God, and your mercy is unweighted, Lord God. We can't measure how high it is. We can't measure how wide it is, and we can't measure how deep it is. Okay. Only thing we know, we are participants and we are recipients of it, and we thank you. Thank you. Your grace is sufficient for us, Lord God. 
even though we have thorns in our flesh and and things lord god that is seemingly to always or uh, sometimes just to come to trip us up and and deter us lord god but your love reached beyond that and around that <laughs> you cover us and you protect us and we thank you lord god we thank you lord god for being with us in our time of trouble in our time of need when we are weary at heart when we are weary at mind when we don't know which way to go which way to turn we can always turn to you you the author and the finisher of our faith. You write the book. You know what we need, when we need it, and how we need it. Lord God, we praise you for that, Lord God. And God, as you wrote, had already written the story of our lives, as we navigate through this thing we call life, we thank you for teaching us and guiding us to all truth, Lord God. We thank you for taking us through the terrains of this life, over the rivers and through the valleys and and we thank you even for the mountaintop experiences that we have lord god we thank you for that lord god because we have learned that little becomes much when we place it in your hands lord we thank you because you took a old a check that we got once a month lord god you allowed it to stretch beyond our bills, even though our bills outweighed our expenses and, uh, or our bills outweighed what we had coming in. But, Lord God, you stretched it. You gave us favor. You touched the hearts of the creditors, Lord God. That that car, Lord God, that needed repair, you kept it running, Lord God, way longer than what man said it was supposed to run. And it lasted years after. Uh, man said it is supposedly uh, survive Lord God you allow the mileage to go way beyond what the engine even said it was way able to withstand that was nobody but you Lord God when we didn't have the money to do construction to our homes and remodel and, and to get them secured from the weather Lord God God when we didn't have the resources you touch hearts Lord God and you allowed people Lord God to come down on their prices and even to donate their labor and their time that was nobody but you and when the price tag was high and we couldn't afford it Lord you made a way hallelujah and we thank you for that you're such a great God God when we didn't couldn't afford that medicine Lord God when the doctor prescribed it and, and we went to the pharmacy and when they told us how much it was they almost gave us another condition but we thank you Lord God some kind of way Lord God either you allowed us to get the medicine Lord God some kind of way or you just touched our bodies and allowed us to sustain ourselves until we could or we couldn't you Lord God, you just you just you just stepped in and healed and made a way. That was nobody but you, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, and we glorify you. And God, we thank you because when we couldn't tell nobody our troubles, when we couldn't tell nobody our pain, when we wanted to cry, and when we was in a group of people, and we had to fight back the tears because of the pain and because of what we was going through, you understood, Lord God. And when we got home and when we got by ourselves, we was able to cry out. Sometimes we didn't know how, even though we knew who you were and we know who you are to us, we couldn't even say Jesus. But the tears that rolled down our cheeks 
they had a story and they and you understood the story in every tear you understood the story in every Lord God every sniffle and every frown every cut that was in our forehead from the from 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 this the, 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 the pain that we were feeling at that time we thank you Lord God because you care for us you such a caring God, and we thank you, Lord God, for that, and we praise you, Lord God. And we just came this morning, Lord God, to this service, not with a lot of junk. Matter of fact, if we got junk, we're throwing it away right now. We're casting it aside right now so we can receive from you, Lord God. Fill our cups this morning and allow them to overflow. Allow them, Lord God, to be filled with your word, filled with your presence. Feel with your spirit, Lord God. Quench these thirsts of our souls, and bread of heaven feed us until we want no more. Bless the man of God as he brings forth the word, Lord God. Give him a word that will liberate us and give us freedom in you, Lord God, and take us to the place that you want us, and give us a brighter day on tomorrow. And we thank you for it, and we glorify you for it, and we declare it to be so according to who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. You are Lord. You have risen from the dead. And you are Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that you are Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. And he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, good morning, First Virtual. Good morning, family. Good morning, friends. Good morning, visitors. We welcome you to First Virtual Church, and we honor you for honoring us with your presence this morning. I'm truly convinced that you will be changed in your mind and in your thinking while the Word of God will come forth to our pastor this morning, and I'm sure he has a word. And I'm pretty sure on the behalf of him and his lovely wife, we just invite you to join in and, and participate. Come off mute every now and then and say amen and praise the Lord. And put that coffee on the side, but we don't want you to sling it across the house and then you have to clean it up later. But push it to the side just for a moment because allow the Lord to just to use you, lift up your hands and worship God in our worship experience this morning. And truly, I know you will leave this place blessed. Well, thank you for allowing us to pray with you this morning, and God bless you, Brother Dennis. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Very good. Very good. It's another day. We're all, uh, you know, looking forward to a great day in the Lord. Thank you. So, good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We got a few up. We got a few up. How about this? Good morning, family. Because good we are morning. family. 
Amen, right? Amen. That tells us we become believers, we become what? Family of God. Family of no matter, you know, no matter how good I look uh, or how bad I look or the color of my skin or the color of your skin. We are family. We are family and we are families in Christ. And, and, and we have to remember that. And we have to, you know, uh, we have to build on that and uh, believe on that. You know, there's a lot of things in the world today that uh, you know, tell us that uh, we're, not, we're not supposed to be family. I'm like, wait a minute, yes we are. You know, it, it don't matter where we come from, what heritage we have, whether you're, uh, you know, um, whether you're Irish, uh, African, Christian, oh, wait a minute, Christian counts, right? Italian, French, uh, you know, wherever you come from, Japan, China, you know, mm-hmm. we're all we're all family. We believe in God, we believe in His Son, and uh, we are family. And we have to remember that, and we have to uh, pull together as family. You know, the Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us a lot of things. Most of all, it tells us how we should how we should live our lives and how we should uh, look at other people and how we should approach other people and what we should do um, for other people. That's most important, what we should do for the family. Families, the family of Christ. You know, um, I had the opportunity last last week, last Saturday night, uh, to sit at the table with uh, with my family. I had uh, three of my uh, four children there at the table, and what a blessing that was. You know, my son came in from my home, uh, my daughter and my other son were here, and, you know, I... I as we were sitting around, it hit it, me like, wow, you know, I got three of my children here. What a blessing that is. And all of them are believers. What a blessing that is. You know, so we have to we have to remember that. We have to remember that, you know, they may be blood, but we are still family. We are family in Christ. You know, the Bible tells us in Galatians, okay, Galatians 6, verse 10. All right, listen, listen to what it says. Therefore, as we have the opportunity to let us do good to all people, especially to the, to those who belong to the family of believers. Okay. The Bible tells us we should do good to all people. And, and we should definitely follow that. You know, do unto others. That's what God tells us to do. You know, as we, uh, as, as we work through our lives, you know, we have to keep that in mind. You know, God tells us that we are believers. That once we accept Jesus, we should we should transfer that to other people. We should pray for other people. But most of all, we should help people. If, if I didn't have family of faith surround me through my times of troubles and, and, and trials, I, I would have been lost. When I when I had physical difficulties, who was there to support me? My family of faith. When when I lost loved ones, who was there to support me? My family of faith. Where would I be without the family of faith that surrounded me? I would be lost. I'd be I'd be stretching and looking for ideas, and probably, you know, to be honest, probably cursing God. Why do you let this happen to me? Why is this going on? But, you know, by being surrounded with family of believers, they help uplift me and give me the guidance that I need and the support. But most of all, the prayer. The 
prayer, the prayer that we need all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yes, as we think about this week, as we go through this week, maybe just reach out. Think about your family. Think about your family of believers. Do you need to pray for them? Of course you do. Do you need to pray for someone in a special way? Probably. There is probably, as I know, there are people in my family of faith that need prayer, that need support. So we should pray for them. You know, my, uh, uh, and it, it, it works. We know it works. And we know that God's love works to help take us through our times of trials and tribulations. But we should be a supportive family. We should be a supportive family of faith. And we should keep that in mind. The Bible tells us that we should do what we can for our family, our family of believers, no matter what they look like, you know, or where they come from. We are a family. And we should remember that. You know, God tells us, Jesus tells us we are his brothers and sisters, right? So we should act like brothers and sisters. Sure, we have our squabbles. Brothers and sisters do that. But we should still lift each other up and love each other like like God loves us unconditionally. So as we go through this week, think about your brothers and sisters in faith. Think about your 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 other you know, your other brothers and sisters. Think about your you know, your real brothers and sisters. Do they need special prayer? Does your family need special prayer? Do you need to lift them up? I lift my family up every day in prayer. I lift my children up every day in prayer. I lift their families. We should do that. We should pray for families, but we should also pray for our families of faith, that they will withstand whatever trials and tribulations they're going through. You know, we do we do that every Sunday morning. We pray. Pastor Booth does a good job help leading us in prayer for families and government. Well, we should do that, not just on Sunday mornings, but every morning, every day. And we just thank you that we have the opportunity. We live in a country where we can do that. We can pray, and we can lift people up and, and, and just let them know that who loves them? God loves them. No matter what they're going through, Jesus and God love them. And we are thankful for that, and we are thankful for his son. So this week, make it a priority. Pray for someone. And I guarantee the results will be God-like. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right, my friends, it's once more and again we come to chat, just you and I. Well, you, I, and my chair, but I thought I was going to speak, but my chair chose not to today. That's good. If I hadn't have acknowledged it, it would have spoken. I think my chair, just like everything else, it wants to get acknowledged, and once it has received it, it's like, ah, I'm good. You acknowledge me. I have to squeal and let everybody know that I exist. Well, first of all, let me start by taking care of a piece of business on behalf of the platform with which you have connected to this. I thank you for doing so. And I ask that you uh, do whatever your platform requires of you. Maybe that's like, maybe that's subscribe, maybe that's add, maybe that's follow. What that does is that ensures 
that you get these pieces of business each and every time they're released to the internet. Right now, those uh, these pieces of business are released on Sundays and Wednesdays. I said right now because they're well, maybe some things that are going to go down here in the future. We'll talk about that down the road. But before we get to that, uh, not only do you need these pieces of business, but you know who else needs these pieces of business? Your friends, your family, <laughs> Johnny on the side of the road, Donald Trump, <laughs> Matt Gates might need it as well, you know. I don't know. Can he listen to podcasts in prison? How about Rudy Giuliani or Alan Weisselberg? All these fun people that you try to avoid on days like today. But they need this information. I know you probably don't think so because they deserve to burn in hell. But you know what? They're humans too. And even though they're a little bit more challenged than you and I. Well, I don't even know if that's fair. In the eyes of God. Does it really? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not even going to try to go and theorize or spiritualize or theologianize. any. I'm just going to say that we all need access to a loving creator. Yes, we do. And that being said, would you please... As I said, make sure that these pieces of business is imparted into somebody else. You can send them a text, a tweet, snap them with a chat, slide into their DMs, whatever you got to do. Send them a care pigeon with the URL and uh, make sure you put in the uh, tape number, if you will. You remember back in the day when the preachers used to come on TV and they used to have tapes? If you want this tape, you got to respond with this number. It's tape number 773. I have a, I don't know. Anyway, also, I want to bring up something to you. Because these pieces of business, even though we're sitting here, we're informing people, even though we're sitting here and we are encouraging people, they... We have to do more than that. We have to get involved. We have to utilize our talents. And and the hope is that you go away from these pieces of business with that inspiration, with that desire to get involved, to activate yourself, to find your gifts and then utilize them to make this our world a better place. To do that here requires... Well, contributions. Those contributions are not necessarily money, even though that is one of the things that we could use to help make this go. But maybe, as I said, it's you just getting people, gathering them around your coffee tables, or maybe taking those people and giving them the URL and let them stream it in their homes with their families. What we do is not only are we building human capital, or should I say not only do we need to build financial capital, we need to build human capital. That's what I was trying to say. See, thank you for allowing me that moment of blunder. 
Because the human capital literally will draw in the financial capital. So if you can't give money, we'll talk about how to do that down the road. We're going to set up some things. Patreon and, you know, we got the Cash App it. What is that? What is Cash App? And Eric D. Barrett, you know how to do it with the, the dollar sign and then you... Uh, do that. What is it? Yeah, at Eric D. Barrett. That's exactly right. You can go ahead and shoot a cash app uh, donation over. That'll be awesome. So, and again, we're going to set up Patreon. We're going to do some other things down the road. But right now, people, 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 that is the capital that we're looking for. That is the fine, the donation that we're looking for. Donate your friends. Invite them to be a part. Would you do that? And you know what? I'm going to give you some time to think about that. Mama Bell is getting ready to bang on the keys. Oh, sorry. She doesn't bang. She tickles the ivories. She's going to do that. And while she's doing that, about two, three minutes, maybe more close to two, you know, it's, I think it's 220 to be exact. So you round down. It's two. Five and above, you round up. Two and five. You, know, you get the, you, you are in math class. Anyway, she's going to do that. And while she's doing that, find three people in your phone. Make sure they get this. Awesome sauce. Awesome sauce. Mama Bell. Okay. I hear you. All right. Jesus. 
I was thinking, how about you and I open that Bible app right quick and we, you and me, we read the text together, shall we? I'm going to give you a few seconds to open that up. It's, it's a little brown app. It's got some little white, like, strictly things and then it's got a little red little bookmark coming out of it holy bible written in yellow letters find that if you have to go to the app store and download it you can go to the app store and you can type in let me tell you what type in hold on holy bible you can type that in if you don't have it and it should pop up first thing right there bing bang boom realest guy in the rooms top right there on the top mm-hmm. go ahead and do that anyway while you're getting that, we'll go ahead and read this. You can come back and get it later, if you will. It's over there in the book of Lamentations. That's right behind Jeremiah. Lamentations. You'll see it if you're scrolling through the table of contents. Chapter number three, verse 17 through 21. And if you want to follow in the translation that I'm reading, then I am using the Christian Standard Bible. So you can go down and CSB, hit that. And again, Lamentations. It is right under Jeremiah and right before Ezekiel. Chapter 3, verse 17. And it reads, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. Then I thought my future is lost as well as my hope from the Lord. Remember my afflictions and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and have become depressed. Yet, I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Today, I want to focus on that 21st verse where it says, Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. That's where my, my thought process is going to be. And in that thought process, I'm going to get this mindset or this thought, should I say, this train of thought entitled, I have a loophole. I have a loophole. You mind if we take a moment and talk to the creator, meditate a little bit as we prepare to have this discussion. Our kind father and our friend, we thank you for this opportunity for us to connect today. And we ask that as we sit and prepare for this discussion, that we, your spiritual jurors, will hear your argument, conclude without shadow of doubt that you are saying something awesome sauce to us. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go ahead and uh, get into this right here. Shall we? We shall. Some 20 years ago, 
many of you will remember there was an issue that took place here in these states united. It was a Tuesday morning around 9 a.m. that some commercial planes injected themselves into a few buildings up yonder in New York City. Those buildings was known as the Twin Towers, and those planes were occupied by jihadist terrorists, as they wished to say. Those terrorists knocked those buildings down in succession, two of them in succession. There was another incident that happened where a plane went down in Pennsylvania on its way to the White House, and a third that went into the Pentagon. There was, for the second time on American soil, and the first time directly on American soil in a century, a terrorist attack. And that event led to a series of operations in the land known as Afghanistan. This operation was to take place over a few phases. The first phase, the initial launch of this campaign on October 7, 2001, went all the way until 28 December 2014. You remember that is when somewhere around there they found and extinguished the al-Qaeda leader, Mr. Osama bin Laden. And that led to the second phase that is going on from January 1 of 2015 until now. 19 years, nine months, and three days we have been at war. By the time that this is concluded and all the dust has settled and all the smoke has cleared, it will result in a 20-year war. There is a generation now that was born who have never known these states united in a land of peace. There's a generation now who on September 11th cried into this world, who are now graduated high school and in their sophomore year of college and all they've ever known on their TV screens is a season of war. According to the Department of Defense, the report that they put out here, they put one out periodically, they added up the total cost of this war as they are preparing to draw it to a sunset. They make mention that this war 
now totaling some $815 billion. $815 billion has been spent over the last 19 years, nine months, three days. And that wasn't bad enough. The economics of that does not turn you or cause you to consider some things. Let's talk about casualties real quick. Since 2001, 47,245 civilians have been extinguished. Some 72 journalists and 444 aid workers, journalists, people just going to cover it so that you can sit in front of your TV screens and see the action firsthand. 72 of them have lost their lives. The Afghan government keeps this toll quiet. They don't want to tell what's going on. It messes up morale, you understand. We tell people there's a problem, we panic. That's just human nature. But they estimate some 36 million people have been displaced or either eliminated from the nation of Afghanistan. 69,000 troops have been eliminated. And then you look at our nation, these states united, those of us who call this home. Some 2,442 troops have been killed, and 20,000 people walk around here wounded. Some 3,800 private security contractors and other personnels, too many for the Pentagon to even count. I don't have to keep going on. You know the death toll is high. But another piece to that puzzle that does not necessarily connect to the physical is the mental. Studies have revealed that out of 699 persons connected to this test, what this means is that they got 699 people, pardon my French, I don't mean to talk to you as in proper English, they interviewed, they connected with, that made me feel better, like I've been to English class, 699 people. And out of those, 67.7% were depressed. 72.2% had anxiety. 42% suffered from PTSD, what many of you would know as Shell shock. And the bigger part of that, now 20 years in, a generation who knows nothing but war, many of these young people and 
senior people who have been over in this country, over in other lands that are connected to same, who in just a few moments, the suggested date is to have all of this wrapped up by the 20th anniversary of those two planes hitting those trade centers, that trade center, should I say, the trade center. Thank you for allowing me to not just throw it out there as something foreign. That date is coming up here on the 11th day of September in this year. By then, two decades, these folks, even though they were American citizens, because if you're born in military, you are an American citizen. It doesn't really matter where you come from. You are an American citizen. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But that still doesn't change the fact that a lot of these people don't know America. And many of them have forgotten their homeland. And now, 20 years later, they're returning to a society one that they have never been acclimated to or have forgotten how it operates. But they must return. And when they get here, they're faced with various situations. Racism, ideas of critical race theory, sexual and Gender discriminations. On top of the war that they just fought, on top of the struggle that they just had, they're now returning to a struggle. I was chatting sometime. I think I chat to my detriment, but I do it anyway. I was chatting with a pastor that, if I mention his name, you've heard him definitely around here sometime. As a matter of fact, outside of Booth is the only one that you really hear. And we were discussing a few things about a major denomination, major one. When you talk about major, I'll leave you. You can figure it out. And that denomination has started to make a few rules, new objectives, if you will, as it pertains to how they operate as a reformation. That denomination made it clear in their latest conference that they were eliminating social programs, no longer are we dealing in hospitals? No longer are we dealing in education? No longer are we dealing in anything other than preaching? That's it. Our mission is to preach, not to build partnerships, not to heal the sick, not to raise the dead, not to help cause the blind to see. No, we must preach. We must run revivals and conferences, 
teach you about the 12-step program to heaven. That's all we are designed to do, this Reformation declared. So it sounds to me that what you're telling me is we'll come in, get the folks to take that walk, give the preacher their hand and the deacon their card of membership, and then after we take that proverbial ceremonial swim in the pool, who cares about you next? You know, that's a question that we used to ask them when the, I, I love the question. I think everybody should have an answer to that question on their own mind. I think you should at least. There may be those, or there, I'm sure there are those who theologically would disagree with this piece of business, but I, I, I like to hold true to it. If you were to die tonight, would you wake up in heaven? That was the wonderful question that every evangelist knew how to find a way to get in their sermon somewhere. Beautiful question. Everybody should have an answer to that. At least I believe they should. But here's the thing. After you've answered that question, Life, in some cases, is, to me, like a gamble on a 50-50 shot. You answered the question. You checked the box. You went for the nice swim. You gave the preacher your hand and the deacon the card of membership. But now what? What happens if you do not die tonight? What happens if after you've done all that to prepare to secure your eternal destination plan, you've gotten your reservations properly secured, and then you're left here to live another 20 or 30? Then what? Am I the only one that has wondered why there's never then another piece of business to go on the other side of that. Oh, well, yes, there is, Brother Barrett. You, you missed it. <clears throat> there you go. You got it now. You can cough it out. You missed it. Because afterwards, we must teach people about discipleship. Okay? We must get them into our pointless, I mean, our lovely Bible classes where we can argue the understandings of old folks who we've never seen nor do we even know exist except for they are written in a book that may or may not have any type of authenticity. And what I mean by that is just like over in the book of Hebrews, it says you don't really know. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what you don't know. You don't know. You cannot definitively say that there's a heaven or a hell. You can't definitively say that. You believe it. Blessed are those who believe. It is a belief. It is not a definitive fact. Not to you, it's not. 
there are certain proofs that give the conclusion that it's there, enough proof to define and to sustain your faith, but to personally say it's fact, nobody can say that. I've never been there. I look to go. It's on the same level of somebody telling me they're going to bring me a nice Rolls Royce. I don't know that. It's not a fact until it's in my driveway. It's not true to me until I've seen it. However, someone said they were going to bring it, and I believe it. That's not true, by the way. Nobody's bringing me a Rolls Royce. I just want to throw that out there. I was thinking about chicken, and somehow it came out Rolls Royce. I don't know why. I don't even know what I would do with a Rolls Royce if I got it. The fact is that I'm trying to make, or the point I'm trying to make here, is most of us have followed and took a position, and we have beat people and broken ourselves over something we may or may not even know. I taught in a Bible class one time over at a church. I'm not going to mention it on this private call between you and I. And I went to that Bible class, and uh, we had some discussions in that class. Most of your organized churches, if you are a part of them, you know that they have curriculums that they read or participate in, should I say, is that is their guide for raising their young people. And I was in that class with a couple of friends. Those friends still exist to this day, or that relationship still, should I say, still exists. Connection, rather, is what I really was trying to say. Tomato tomorrow at this point doesn't really hold relevance to the, to the story, the conversation. But in that class, we would have these discussions, and it would seem as if you're sitting here in Bible class talking about wonderful stories. We would talk more specifically about Peter walking on water. And Peter walking on the water is a very, very good piece of business. But when you're just looking at it as a story, what does it mean in the end? Well, it talks about how Peter had faith. He walked out on the water. Okay, what does that have to do with me? Are you telling me that if I have faith, like Peter, that I can walk on water? Because I don't see that happening. I mean, you got one of those little machines that you can get out there and tuck your feet in, and it kind of shoots the water up, and a jet ski, and you can get up and, you know, you, you, with some assistance. But you taking your two little toes or your ten toes on top of your two feet, well, maybe you might got two toes. You might be Twinkle Bell. You taking your two little toes and going out there and walking on the water, I don't see that happening. I was, as I said, in that class and that class some time ago, 
three, four, five, somewhere in there. I'm talking about the year, 2000 being that. I'm not that old. And uh, I decided after some time has passed now, at least 15 years or so, 2005 to now is is well over 15. That's about 16 years. If I did my math correctly. I decided to go look up these young folks. I knew uh, one person on Facebook who uh, still connected or still have connection with them. So I wanted to see where they were. Would you believe it? I found all 22 of those young people that was in that class. Maybe five of them are still in church today. Why is that? Why, after all the discipling you did, after all of the good story times in Bible classes, Five out of 22 survived? Why is that? Why five out of 22 are the only one whose faith, whose hope survived? What happened to the other 17? There's an article out there in these streets, if you care to read it, one of the uh, Christian Publishing's Lifeway, a uh, couple of us are out there. I don't necessarily remember which one it was, to be honest with you. If you really want to know, we can definitely compare notes down the road. I do have those that, that documentation to, to give with you. Five reasons for what happened. To them 17. And more importantly, five reasons for why when you go to church this morning, you're going to look around and see empty chairs. No, it's not the pandemic. That didn't do it. That's just a good reason. As a matter of fact, if you really can think back yonder some 14, 15 months ago, them chairs was empty before. We were masked up and locked in our homes. Why is that? Number one, the struggle that I had in that church. And I'm not trying to say that I'm the best Bible teacher or that I understand how to do this game more than I'm not trying to present that message. But I do know that is one reason why those two leaders that were there before me also proverbially gave up the the mental ghost, if you will. The church is irrelevant. The leaders are hypocritical, and leaders have experienced too much moral failure. They see one thing in the pulpit, another thing when they come out the pew. A lot of folks I know are struggling right now 
from hurt. That's one of the reasons why I didn't like talking about money around here. Because I know how some of you feel. You didn't gave every dime. And when you needed a dime, they didn't come to you. They forgot your name. They left you out there and rolled past you and let their rolls and their bins, tires, spit up the water and flood everything you had sitting on the side of the road. They sure did. And it bothered you. And it pushed you out. And now you feel like our writer here in Lamentations. My hope is lost. I gave to the church. I poured in. I participated in the programs. I taught Bible class. I was at every one of them discipleship meetings that they told me to go to. I went to all the new members' classes. I gave my 10, my 20, and my 49%. I turned around twice and stood on the ground, and I still got nothing. When it's all said and done. The second piece of business they said in this article, God is missing in church. Legitimate doubt is prohibited. That's number three. We have passed things off as law. The world was created six thousand years ago. How you know? You ain't that old. Well, we have biblical texts and, and theological discussions that allow us to see this. How do you know? In that passage over there, in that good book that you read, it says one day is like a thousand in the eyes of God. So how do you know six days ain't 6,000 years to God? I'm just saying that's what the book says. And then it also makes another argument. If you remember, man created time, not God. And to put a caveat on that, to put a, put a feeler on that, God said, that's y'all's time down there. That's what y'all say is sunrise and sunset. Y'all said it operates inside of a 24-hour cycle. That's what y'all say, but my time is deciding. That is 6,000 years old. How do you know the evolutionist is not correct? It was a big gaseous belt. How do you know that's not how God did it? Last I checked, the evolutionist can tell you what happened but can't tell you who, and the creationist can tell you who did it but can't tell you how. So how do you know if those two ever merged together? That's a war right there at the end. I know that piece of business will go bankrupt when they do it, so we keep fighting. Legitimate doubt. People are not learning about God. And number five. Oh, Brother Dennis, you spoke to this earlier. They're not finding community. They're in church, but they're just sitting in a pew 
Nobody talks to them. Nobody connects with them. They don't have any friends. I struggle with that myself, quite frankly. I'm okay with nobody talking to me, but there's some folks that need it. They need to have somebody to, we all need somebody. Isn't that what he said? To lean on? I went, as I said, and I, I, after reading this and after talking, I had a conversation with a pastor friend and, or a pastor that I knew. I won't call him a friend at this point, especially what I'm getting ready to say. And I told him about what was going on, and I, I'm, I'm going to say this fairly. It could. There's a possibility I didn't explain myself correctly. It was a Facebook message, after all. Maybe maybe I didn't properly suggest or properly present my case well. I, I will give you that. But the man was was very dismissive to this subject. Presented with all this, we talked to some millennials and we talked about our last I checked is the church that he pastors has none in it. Maybe one or two, and I think they're only there because grandmama got oxygen and can't drive no more. And I explained to him all these these different things in hope that he would listen and potentially think about them, join the conversation of how we rectify some of these problems. Oh, he gave the good Christian answer. We'll pray for you that God will let you do it. You know, Mama Bell, I know you're making coffee. Make me a cup of tea. I'm getting old now. It's something about trailing down the streets to 40 uh, that changes your mind a little bit. And I presented that that alternative to you a few seconds ago about the gentleman. Uh, but in the moment, it was one of those things where I read the message and I just gently closed down my iPad. I didn't slam it. That thing cost too much money. And I realized something. And maybe, like I said, I'm getting old, and when you get old, you, you start to uh, see the world a little differently. You start to get a little tired. You start to um, lose a little bit of your objectiveness, you just get straight to the nitty-gritty. And I just told myself, you know, there are some people in this world, no matter what I do, this is, this is where I get to my turning point here in the healing process. If you go with me here, we're heading to the landing now. There's some folk, no matter what you do, they were stupid born and stupid bred, and when it's over, they'll be stupid dead. And some of them is just no point in even trying anymore. So what do you do? We get in our text, he says, I found 
I have hope. But where is that hope? Because it certainly ain't broke. Hope is not broke. It's not living from pillar to post. Hope don't do that. Hope don't bum rise nor beg for their knees. That's not hope. Hope provides opportunity. Hope. Over there in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, you know, I like to hang out over there. Before I formed thee in thy mother's womb, I gave you hope. He said down there in 2911, I know the plans I have for you, plans of a future and hope. Hmm. Then for those of you who read our text and you went on down, I told you I'd come back to you. I know you read down now. It said, because of the Lord's faithful love, we did not perish, for his mercies never end. There are new every morning. That's another piece to that business that I asked the question about. If he never does another thing, I'll praise him. Well, I have a problem with that because if he don't do anything else, I'm dead. I need to walk tomorrow, he's got to do it. I need to talk tomorrow, he's got to do it. I need to breathe tomorrow, he's got to do it. I need to see tomorrow, he's got to do it. I need to move my hands and my feet, he's got to do it. So I need him to do something else. So why am I presenting this? Spiritualized answers if I'm just satisfied when the reality of it is my life cannot be stagnant. It does not operate off of stagnicity. I need new hope every day. I thank you for what you've done. But I cannot subscribe to this theory that if you don't do anything else, because quite frankly, there's nothing left of me if you do nothing else. Basic Bible to me. Well, I know, I'm just a man and reads a book. May not even be real, right? There's another piece to that, that, that story, that mindset goes on down, presents that case. And like I said, I'm just man reading the book, but over there in Acts, he says, for in him we live and move and have our being. So quite frankly, as I just stated, if you don't do anything else, how do I move? How do I live? How do I have my being? I just wanted to tell you that it's in the book that may or may not hold any relevance. Everybody else had fought it four or five different ways. I'm just reading the book. There's hope. There's hope. Where does this hope come from? Go back to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I ordained you. I set some plans up. I gave you a future, and I gave you a hope. And then he said over there in Matthew, he said, now this is what you do. Go seek. 
first that hope. Seek first that mission statement. Seek first the kingdom and all these things. If you seek for what I put in you, do you know 97% of people in poverty are folks who are operating off of what they don't believe they're supposed to do? What happens if that 97% ever found themselves? How many of you got a job because you know that's what you're supposed to have? No, that's just the first thing popped up that can supply your daily necessities for many. But if you sought first the kingdom, sought first that mission statement, that thing that you were ordained to do, teaching, driving, playing the piano, going out there and getting the folks registered to vote, all of those things are purposes and plans that was put in you for a future and a hope. It says, I found the loophole. Do you know what a loophole is? As I bring myself in for a closed grandma's I'm going to pray. The loophole, an ambiguous omission in the text through which the intent of a statute, contract, or obligation may be evaded, a small opening through which small arms may be fired, a similar opening to emit light and air or to permit observation. Or, my favorite, a means of escape. Yet, I have hope. Go back up there real quick before Grandma comes. I've been deprived of peace. I forgot what prosperity is. I've lost my future. I'm afflicted, homeless, and I've been infected with poison. I remember all this stuff, and it's got me depressed. Yet. I got a loophole. I have a means to escape. There is nothing known to man that we can suffer without God making a way for us to escape. Everybody has got a loophole. Everybody has got that hope. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood, some through great sorrow, but God gives a song. In the night season, God leads his dear children. As we prepare to remove ourselves from this, our time together, I got another point for us to think about. This hope that we have, how can this hope, how can we exercise it in this moment? Well, the first thing we can do is we can take time to A, connect with our communities, to share with our friends and families, and most importantly, most importantly, I say this a lot on these 
pieces of business that you hear me. And I don't think I've ever taken the time to explain myself when I say pray for our men and women in uniform. But the reality of it is that not only do they need the prayers of uh, those who, uh, those of us, but they need the support of Satan. They need us rallying around their families. They need us to build a community, a shield around them as they're coming back into this, this world. I mean, it's really, really I understand for us civilians, it's hard to accept that for 20 years, these fine men and women have been going, they've been going back and forth, back and forth. At a moment's notice, they've always lived on edge, never knowing when. 20 years they've done this. 20 years they've bounced around this nation from pillar to post. They bounced around this world from pillar to post. They're going to need our support now. Would you do that? I know you will. Until the next time we can connect, which will be on Wednesday, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. For me and mine, unto you and yours. Laters.